Live from the Reisman Recording Room, it is day nine of Detroit Lions training camp as we kick off a new week of practices. Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. With me, as always, to help break down what we saw today at, uh, what day is it? Wednesday practice, I think? I think so. <laughs> is the uh, managing editor... General manager. Man- general general <laughs> managing editor of Brandon Detroit, Eric Schlitt. Eric, how are we doing, bud? Uh, it's It was nice and uh, it was it was warm, but not overly warm. And so I think it was a really nice day for the fans that were in attendance. And uh, I thought there was some nice performances out on the field uh, that went along with it. Yeah, uh, not a fully padded practice today, but um, they, they went at it. It was, a, it was a pretty good practice. They started kind of slow with some, you know, Three-quarter speed, maybe, drills, and then we got into some real stuff when it came to some 11-11, and situational yeah. stuff. We'll get into all that, but let's, as uh, we always do, start with some injury news. Um, first, the the worst news of the bunch, maybe maybe of all practices, um, we, we see Shane Zilstra go down um, last practice and turns out to be a serious injury. Uh, they, they wave him with an injury. He's probably going to return on IR. I don't suppose he's going to come off of IR either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Lions have signed two new tight ends, um, also let go of Derek Deese. Uh, Daryl Daniels and Daniel Helm are the new two tight ends. Um, not much to say about them in practice yet. They're just kind of getting acclimated. We were just kind of learning their numbers yeah. and anything like that. But They yeah. only did individuals. Yeah. No team stuff. Yep, which meant more time for we, – we saw a lot of James Mitchell today, and, and maybe we'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, in terms of guys that were missing from practice, obviously Emmanuel Mosley put on uh, the POP list officially today. Um, he can come off at any time. We're not really sure when that is going to be. We don't really have a good sense of it, but rumor is that he had a cleanup – uh, surgery on, on his knee. We'll see where that goes. Um, also, if Atu Melifanu was missing from this practice, Dave Burkett is reporting it's a knee injury. That's not great news. He's a guy that's dealt with a lot of injuries in the past. We don't really know how severe it is yet, but wasn't but we, even out there. Yeah, yeah, was not out there. So that's concerning. Yeah. Uh, last one, Frank Ragnow, not at practice as well. That one we think is probably maybe related. We can't confirm or deny that, but timeline makes sense. The fact that he wasn't even out there Probably means he's not in the building, and that would make the most sense. So we're kind of uh, putting two and two together there. And then uh, another injury, unfortunately, that occurred during practice is Trinity Benson, a guy who I thought was trending up to really kind of be on that bubble and and really have a chance at that wide receiver five, wide receiver six position. Now, we don't want to speculate on how serious the injury was, but he did get carted off. The Lions had to kind of do the same thing they did with CJGJ and like move practice down a couple spots um, because it, it, it didn't look great. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a, during a seven on seven when he was out with the ones, and so um, he just I, I didn't I don't I don't know if anyone else saw him crumble, uh, but like he he went down kind of awkwardly. Uh, it was right where a ball was batted down at the line of scrimmage by Hutchinson, and so like when the ball, I watched the ball get batted down, I and I didn't watch it was like probably like five or six yards behind the that bat down that he that Trinity went down, and I so I never actually got a good vision on it, but they brought the cart out. And uh, got him back to the inside, you know, um, the facility, in that yeah. manner. Yeah. yeah. Um, the good news also, um, you know, Panay Sewell returned to practice after being in concussion protocol. Looked like a full go for him today. And then <clears throat> Sam Laporta, who uh, Campbell said it was an ankle injury, if I'm not mistaken, that he was dealing with the last practice when we, he just kind of disappeared. But yeah. out there did not seem like he was on a snap count or anything. So uh, avoided a major injury there. Uh, and I think we have you caught up on all the injury stuff. Yeah. It was. I, could have been Penesul, one of Penesul's best days at camp. I thought he looked 
uh, strong against Hutchinson. Um, Hutchinson, you know, is going to flash his moments. I thought most of his production, though, was done um, either on the other on on the opposite side of uh, Sewell, or uh, when he pushed it inside because they did that and they did some NASCAR stuff today. Yeah. But um, yeah, I thought Sewell was really clean, looked strong, had great angles, and uh, awfully impressive uh, on his first day back. But I think we, we have to kind of lead our observations here with the uh, the return of J-Mo. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was quite a day for him. Um, it wasn't mm-hmm. perfect. Um, you know, we did have a kind of minor drop, you know, on, on a pass that was over his head that he got both hands the, on. Yeah, but, hit him in the fingertips. Um, didn't come down with that one. And then there was a, a situational drill in which they went to him and he was blanketed by, I want to say, Savion Smith, who, who continues to kind of put together a decent uh, camp here. But mm-hmm. he was targeted six other times. Caught all six. Yeah. Uh, so six tu- six catches on eight targets by my count, including yeah. a huge one, a 55-ish yard bomb where he smoked Cameron Sutton. Yeah. And, and like, he dialed it down a little bit and then, like, kind of dove for the, for the ball and then, like, slid a, a yard or two short of the end zone, but... No one was close enough to him where they could even stop him. Like he basically just rolled his way into the end zone yeah. because he was that far away from everybody else. Even the safety was so far away because um, he. We finally got to see like him, you know, turn it up. And to be clear, that was during a seven on sevens. It was Jared Goff who threw that pass. Mm-hmm. He got he got some time with the ones, still mostly with the twos in general. But um, during those seven on sevens, I would say he got a good amount of time with Jared Goff. So that that yeah. chemistry is developing. And and then we also heard um, Dan Campbell talk kind of extensively about him mm-hmm. before practice. Talk about some of the drop issues. Dan Campbell didn't shy away from him. He said like, no, that's that's something we notice. That's something mm-hmm. we're going to work on. He's going to get a heavy, 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 heavy dose during the preseason to work out all that. And his hope is that. All these kind of kinks that they're working out with, like, you know, some of the timing issues, some of the route breaks and, and things like that. They're hoping by the time they get to end of training camp, him and Goff have got that down so that when he comes back three weeks later to, you know, reintroduce himself and, and ramp up for the six-week mark, uh, that, that chemistry will just kind of pick up where it left off. Yeah, he had a he had another – he had like a 20-yard seam that he caught mm-hmm. that was really nice. He had a 10-yard out. He had an, um, a flat that he turned up for some yak as well. Like, it was a variety of different ways he was winning. It wasn't just the deep shot, let him yeah. turn the guns on and go. Yeah. Um, he, had, he had a lot of different ways that he was contributing. And so it was definitely – a marked improvement from what we saw on Monday. Yeah. And you look, I mean, that's exactly what you want to see too, right? Yep. Is, is a guy that if he has a tough day, it's all over the headlines for, for two days because you don't even get to practice. He's probably hungry today. He's probably <laughs> eager to put, put some good um, play out there. And, and I would say he certainly did. So um, you, you love to see that kind of competitive nature maybe come out in his play. Uh, who's another guy you want to talk about today that, that jumped off to you? I, I mean, if we're sticking with receivers, I think Dylan Drummond continues to yeah. make his, his presence be felt. Um, starting to get more consistent reps with some of the uh, with like the second team now. Mm-hmm. Um, he, Savion did get him once on a PB uh, in coverage for a PBU. P- yep. Savion had a couple PBUs. I, like yeah. you said, I think he had one against JMO, and then he had another one against Drummond. Um, but Drummond, like he he stacked 
plays. It wasn't like just one. It was mm-hmm. like there was one point in um, 11 on 11s when it was like he made a catch, then they went to Laporta, and then they went back to Drummond, and then back to Drummond again. Yep. And, and so, like, they just – he was the one that kept finding his way open. And, and so you have to start paying attention to him a little bit more. Again, I still feel like he's kind of on that outside. But Antoine Green has has – slowed a bit yeah. and um, as he slowed Drummond has stepped up I think Mims physicality is starting to be uh, more widely seen as well yeah. and so all of a sudden those last like couple of wide receiver spots on the roster seem very much up for grabs and I think Drummond is putting himself in the mix for that yeah and I mean Unfortunately, um, a couple of the guys that he probably would have had to contend with, yeah, like Trinity, Trinity Benson yeah. and Tom Kennedy, have kind of taken themselves out of the, yeah. of the ring because but, of injury. Yeah, but again, that's not discounting Drummond in any way. I think right. Drummond has been playing himself into those opportunities and doing well with them. Um, he just happens to see have seen a couple of guys go down. Um, yeah, I, you know, look, I think Mims is starting to show more balance in his mm-hmm. game, which I think is going to help. He's not he's not necessarily like going to break into like a starting unit or anything like that. I think there's still like a clear top five, and yeah. then with Jamo's suspension four, that'll make the initial roster. Uh, but Mims is very much in that conversation of being, you know, maybe being the best of those reserves competing for the job. And so... I, I like how he's playing. He's still got some work to do, though, because, like I said, those younger guys are still uh, – those rookies are still on his heels. Well, and one of the things that, that's going to separate him to, to win one of those finals jobs is his special teams. And Dan Campbell talked extensively this morning about his special teams and, and how much he loves kind of the effort that he's putting into that. And I think, again, like that's some of the questions I think some people, some maybe Jets fans, had about Denzel Mims, whether mm-hmm. he, he had the effort you know, to, mm-hmm. to put those special skills that he has – into action, and so far it sounds like he's made a very positive impression when it comes to special teams, and that's important. I mean, I, I think I think both of us are probably on the same page right now that we probably have Mims in as that wide receiver five right now. Yeah, with with Antoine Green and and I would say Dylan Drummond maybe fighting for that wide receiver six spot if there is a wide receiver six spot. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, can we talk a little bit about the, like? I know we talk like maybe we should just carve out a Brian Branch section of these <laughs> podcasts. Um, not not that he had like a spectacular day. In fact, I don't know if he showed up that much on my notes in terms of plays that he made. I, I talked to him one on one after. He said he's had his worst two days of practice, the last two. <laughs> which which is if, like if you count last practice, that's ridiculous. Like right. he, he was great. Yeah, on, and, on and, and in this practice, was. he was with the ones like almost. Right. Yeah, like because they started changing formations up a little bit. He was with the ones a ton. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting to see the self-criticism of not having his best two days when he's getting – when he's – the coaching staff is seemingly giving him opportunities. And on Monday, he was fantastic. Yeah, and and today – Really, the, the noteworthy thing is just how they're using him and how often they're using him. I've had some people ask me, like, because he's balling out so much and we, we were talking about, like, how – how can we keep this guy off the field? I think the answer is what we got today, which was a lot of dropping C.J. Gardner-Johnson into safety, which A.G. said they were going to do, yeah. in order to put Brian Branch at nickel. Like, that's what they're going to do a lot of. And, and it comes at the expense of Tracy Walker, and I think that's just what it's going to be because I don't – we talked about it today. We, mm-hmm. I don't think they want to take – I don't think they want to take Kirby off the field. I don't think they want to take C.J. Gardner-Johnson off the field. Mm-hmm. And so if you want Brian Branch on the field, unless you're going dime, it's going to come at the expense of Tracy Walker. Yeah, and, and 
and I and you know we, we've talked in the past about Tracy's leadership being an important factor to keep him on the field, and I, I do think that that's still super important. And because of that, I think we're going to see some dime looks yeah. um, when it comes to actual game action. Uh, but you know Tracy is coming off in, in Achilles, and so I think the coaching staff has to be really cautious of that sure. and making sure that they're not overworking him. And, and this is a natural solution on how to solve that problem. Plus, also give opportunities to. Branch, who is just really finding his groove, regardless of what he uh, he he told me. <laughs> yeah. Um, other uh, guys, I, I think I want to talk. I think I want to talk a little running backs, and, and part of this is going to play okay. in, into your hand nicely because I know there's a there's a running back you want to <laughs> talk to. But I've, I we we've saw mostly David Montgomery with the ones today, which has been pretty consistent. Like he's always been the first guy out there, but yep. um, he looked pretty good today. And again, not full pad, so no one's fully tackling him. But like he made a couple nice cutbacks mm-hmm. and made there's one play where he he made Alex Anzalone miss in the backfield and then he put <laughs> Jack Campbell on his butt uh with another move and yeah. some of that shiftiness I think is starting to to show up with him and you know again like I hate to keep going back to the same quote from Ben Johnson over and over again but like turning those three and four yard gains into six and seven and eight yard gains yeah that's what I started to see some flashes of and, and he's just a guy we haven't really talked about much but I thought there was a good day from him biggest thing with Montgomery for me is that there is zero hesitation in any mm-hmm. decision he makes. And so, like, a lot of times when you get, like, um, Gibbs-types backs or, you know, DeAndre Swift in the past, yep. like, there's going to be that hesitation for those scat backs who are always trying to find the best spot to try right. and ex- explode and, and get a big play. Montgomery is just head down, go, and he'll make you miss along the way. But he there's n- there's just no hesitation in his decision-making and how he performs on the field. And that's huge. That that will go a long yeah. way to getting uh, Ben Johnson what he wants. It's, it's interesting, too, because I feel like towards the end of his Bears career, that was a criticism against him, okay. is that he shuffled a little bit too much. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that probably has to do with just not trusting your offensive sure. line as much. Yeah, and so you. for him to shed that, with an offensive line that he can trust, that's mm-hmm. huge. That's that. Yeah. I mean, especially because, like, as we saw when the pads were on, if you come in the hole and you try and arm tackle him, good luck. Right. Like, right? Because yeah. like Kirby tried that um, <laughs> the, on on uh, Monday, and it just like he got he got a you know. I can't say. I, I'm not allowed to say. Uh, but he, he had some. He had the coaches, you know, trying to give him corrections on like how to what what how to change his approach because. Um, I just, you you have to square him up. You have to focus. You have to try and drive through, and it's hard because he's a he's not a big target. You know that, that's what Aiden talked about, yeah. right? Like yep. when they asked Aiden Bowling at the ball. Super Bowl, how do you ta- like who's the hardest guy to tackle that you had as a rookie? And he said it was Montgomery. It's yep. because he's just he's hard to find the right angle on. And so when you give him a an offensive line that he's confident in, you give him that you know quick decision making and that decisiveness, and then. Uh, you know he's moving forward. He has that ability to break tackle. It's 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 all really good signs for for where this running game can go. Um, to to move on for a little bit further down the depth chart here, it feels like Justin Jackson's probably got a pretty safe hold on their RB three job just because of what he provides to special teams. Yes, but if there's an RB four spot available, it's it's pretty clear right now. I think it's between Craig Reynolds and and Jamar Jefferson. Um, and and that usually is going to come down to special teams. And I know mm-hmm. I don't know how many times you've mentioned it on this podcast, but you've mentioned <laughs> it plenty in my ear. How impressed you've been with Jamar Jefferson and his special teams jump? Yeah. Well, let's let, so let me let me back up before I start gushing about Jefferson. <laughs> um, when they go to RB three during team drills, 
it's Craig Reynolds. Right. Like, it's Craig Reynolds yes. ahead of, of Justin Jackson. Yep. But Justin Jackson is such a multi-purpose special teamer and and can be trustworthy on offense that he's going to, whether you call him RB3 or RB4, it doesn't matter. It seems like Justin Jackson is going to be end up making the team. So then it does become, is what Craig provides you as an offensive player that much bigger than what Jamar can give you as an offensive player? Because right now, Jamar's special teams are way ahead of Craig Reynolds' special teams. And Craig has been a guy who's always been good at special teams. So maybe it's just a matter of like, when we get into more padded action, when we get into more games, maybe we'll see a little bit more from Craig in that aspect. But Jermar's quickness and ability to get in, get to where he needs to be in space, whether it's blocking or pursuit, he's doing it. Like it's awfully impressive. And like if if it was just a special teams decision, it's not a decision. But it but when it comes to like you have to factor in offense, right? Sure. And so and right now Craig is the preferred guy. Yep. And so if I'm making my 53 right now, I'm probably still sticking with Craig cuz he's the guy that they turn to as you know RB3 on offense. And Jackson like I said isn't going anywhere, but um man, Jermard looks so good on special teams. And if he can show a little bit of juice on offense that we've seen in the past, it's a real competition. Yeah, feels like another guy where the exhibition, the, the preseason games are going to be huge for huge, him. Huge. Um, last thing I've got, uh, we can talk some more kicker because there was more <laughs> kicking uh, that happened today. Yep. Um, some interesting situational stuff. First, they did just kind of three kicks between 40 and, and 49. So 41, 44, 48. Um, we had Riley Patterson miss one from 48. Um, Romo missed one from 44, so they both went two for three there. And then we we did some long-distance stuff, which I, I feel like we haven't seen in a while. Right. Um, basically, they're doing, like, we have 10 seconds, we're at midfield, let's pick up 10 yards and kick a long field goal. Both kickers made it from 57, which, I mean, yeah. credit to Patterson. I didn't think he had that in him, first right. of all. And and if he can show some of that long-distance stuff, I think it's going to do – going to go a long ways in, in beating Rome out in this competition. They moved back four yards for, for 61 yards. Both missed it. So, yeah, um, both, you know. both were short. Even um, Romo's was a little closer, but it yeah. was very wide. Yes. Like like Patterson's was on target short. Romo's was maybe had the distance, but it was definitely right. Um, but just continues to be yeah. neck and neck. It seems like every time they have, yeah. all right, we're going to go, and then you're going to go. It's yeah. like they both missed one. They both made everything. It's just it's very, very neck and neck, and that's what Dan Campbell said this morning as well. So I talked to Parker after practice as well, and I asked him um, – I'm sorry. Talked to Patterson after practice as well, and I asked him about um, gaining confidence after last season in Jacksonville, being in the playoffs, yeah. kicking that game-winning sure. field goal as time expired. What kind of confidence that gave him? And he said, just ov- the overall experience of just going through a season and sure. seeing all the different situations that he's being put into, that has given him. You know the confidence to not be intimidated of or not know what to expect, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, there's, he's like, I go, I'm going into every situation now with that, ex, with the experience of knowing I've been here before. This is what I've done. This is what I, or this is where I need to improve. And one of the things he he needed to improve was his power. And and we and even Campbell mentioned that yeah. this morning that he's seen a noticeable difference in Patterson's power. Um, we saw it on too, the right? field. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we saw it on the field with fifty-seven, and he and Campbell mentioned specifically on kickoffs. And so I do think Patterson. I'm still giving him the slight edge, yeah. um, and we'll see if other people start coming around because, like, I, like, like you pointed out, the 
The efficiency is pretty even, and Parker Romo does have the bigger leg, but it's hard to discount that experience that yeah. Patterson has. Like when you're in a playoff game and time's expiring and you got to hit a, a 40 whatever yard field goal was to win it, like that's hard to like, you know, that that's a that's an important, you know, character forming, you know, type of play. And I and I think it goes it, it could go a long way to helping him maybe win this job. You could you just can't replicate that in the XFL is what you're saying. No, you can't. Uh, look, <laughs> I look, I know I know Parker Romo was the best kicker in the XFL, but I you can take all those experiences and combine them and it's nothing like right. the hitting cr- the game winner in a playoff game. Right. Fair. And and you know what? A fair amount of out- outdoor games there for, for yeah. Patterson too, obviously yeah. playing in Jacksonville. Um, but I think that'll do it. Um, we'll wrap things up there. We'll be back tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, for for one more practice before they take another day off on Friday. It'll be a walkthrough. We won't get to watch it. Um, so make sure you're always tuned in. Again, if you if you like what we're doing, leave a review, leave a rating. We'd always appreciate that. But for Eric, I'm Jeremy. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. 